0: You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 406. But we can learn so much by taking a closer look at the other people God saw fit to tell us about as it relates to the coming of his son as a baby. Now, one of the people in the periphery of the Christmas story is Elizabeth, and I'm excited to introduce the song Elizabeth by Keith and Kristen Getty and Ellie Holcomb as a launching off point for us this week. It's a beautiful and powerful song that leads us straight to God's holy word. But before we dive into the text, let's listen. Bloody the very first things you need to do as you prepare to use this song as a launching as a launching point to think about the text of scripture is well read the text of scripture <laughs> you know so many of us are trying to go from memory from another time that we've read the text or worse we've never actually read it for ourselves we let others read it to us or We rely on what I say, what we've always known to be true. And what I mean by that is that we fill in details that we just assume are in scripture because that's how the story is always told. For example, that there are three kings that visit Jesus in the account in Matthew. But when you read the text for yourself, you realize that they are only referred to as wise men, not kings, and that there's no mention of the number of them. The art we use around Christmas from nativity scenes, scenes to songs to paintings, all of that depict three kings and they may have been royal. It's it's just not so declared in scripture the wise men did bring three gifts, and the three gifts, that's in there, and and that's probably where we got the number three from. Now, I'm not saying all of this to catch you or to make you feel foolish. I'm saying this to prove how important it is to read and study the text for ourselves, because the number of wise men doesn't change the story this time. But there are there may be other details that will. And more than that, the truth of God's word is powerful and beautiful. And you want to get really good at reading and interacting with it so that you can mine the treasure within it for yourself. So your first assignment this week is to read Luke chapter 1 and 2 for yourself. And this is also taking the bite of reading in context. You know, Meaning we're not going to cherry pick the verses about Elizabeth from the text. We're going to read it all at once. <clears throat> And then go back and look deeper at this woman and what we can learn from the details God saw fit to include in his holy word. Now, BITE, by the way, is an acronym, B-I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, and reading in context is my, one of my favorites, and these are the exercises I use to keep my time in God's Word effective and varied, and I actually do the things that I share on the podcast every week. You know, Many of the Bites have turned into habits that have served me really, really well on my own faith journey, and I gather them up from books and speakers and friends, and I curate them into Bites to share with you. Now, perhaps you can you can pair the bite of reading in context this week with the bite of listening to an audio version of the text. In this way, you'll also be taking the bite of repetition. So you'll read the text all the way through, and then you'll listen to it again all the way through. And my favorite app to use uh, is the Uversion app. It's downloaded on my phone so I can listen in the car while getting ready in the morning or on a walk which is when I chose to listen to the text again this week. Now, I happened to choose the New Living Translation audio for my walk, and I just listened to Luke chapters 1 and 2. I was delighted to hear that the narrator would change up his voice a bit, and then they introduced other voices to truly delineate who was speaking. And then they added in a little music in the background for drama all of this really, really brought the text to life. Now, I love podcasts a lot, but I have trained myself to listen to the text of God's word as well. Make that part of the rhythm of what I'm doing when I'm listening, especially for those of you who are audio processor, processors, the bite of listening to an audio version of the text can be a game changer for you. Now, I hope you don't feel like I'm preaching to you with my passionate desire for you to read the text for yourself. I was thrilled when I read the introduction to these accounts written down by Dr. Luke himself because he puts into words exactly what I'm hoping for you. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. So why did Luke, who was not one of the eyewitnesses himself of Jesus's life, but he was a curator of the accounts, why did he take the time to write this orderly account for Theophilus? Well, so that Theophilus may have certainty concerning the things he had been taught. Why do I, as a follower of Christ, not a direct eyewitness, but one who diligently searches the scripture for myself, share the bites with you to equip you to read the text for yourself? so that you will have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. For Theophilus to gain certainty concerning the things he had been taught, he would have to read the account that Luke so painstakingly put together. You have the opportunity to do the same. What a gift. So here's what I did. And this is what I encourage you to do for yourself. Read Luke 1 and 2. And then I listened to Luke 1 and 2. And then I went back to the text to interact with it. And because I'm focusing on the details of Elizabeth in this precious Christmas story, I took another of my favorite bites and I made a list. Seriously, if you've never tried it, it can really change what you observe in the text. And it's really, really simple. You don't need a special notebook or anything. You can grab a scratch piece of paper or write it in the margin of your Bible, no, really. It's okay. You can write in your Bible. If you don't want to do that, you can grab one of those illuminated scripture journals that I talk about sometimes. And that's what I did. I have the the New Testament set and I grabbed my copy of Luke and I made my lists right there in the journal. So the way that these journals work is the text of the scripture is on the left, and then there are blank pages on the right. And you can chicken scratch and doodle and make lists to your heart's content. And here is what I wrote down about Elizabeth. In my list. So, this is from reading Luke chapters one and two. And I went back to the text and then made a list of things that are coming directly from the text. So, she is a daughter of Aaron, meaning her family heritage links back to the priestly line of Aaron. Uh, She was righteous before God. Don't read over this too quickly. She was the real deal. You know, to be listed in Scripture for all time as righteous before God (laughs) means that her relationship with God and obedience to his ways, they took top priority in her life. It was something that marked her. In fact, Scripture goes on to clarify, uh, which is the next thing on my list, and that is that she walked blamelessly in all commandments and statutes. Now, does this mean that Elizabeth did not sin? No, I I really don't think that that kind of thought is consistent with the rest of Scripture or even reality. (laughs) But it was the pattern of her life to know and obey the ways of God. And the more I think on this quality of this woman, uh, the more I I want that to be said of me, which begs the question, then what do I need to do today? And tomorrow and the next day to be known as walking blamelessly in all commandments and statutes. All right. But here's the kicker. The next few things on our list, if they were or are true of us, uh, they might tempt us to throw our hands in the air, give up, become bitter, or at the minimum, just live a life of disobedience because Elizabeth was barren. And Elizabeth was old. And barren means that she had never birthed a child of her own. And scripture was a little bit more formal and kind when it describes her as advanced in years. But as you ponder the attributes and characteristics of Elizabeth on this list, I really don't want you to breeze over them. In fact, let's think about what we know so far. Let's meditate on it. And that's another bite, by the way. Let's let it roll around in our minds a bit more. She was righteous before God, which Luke defines as a life that walks blamelessly in all commandments and statutes. Uh, Let's take the bite of using our imagination a bit. When you set about to study God's word and follow his commands, uh, you find that there are many blessings attached to his promises. Scripture uh, doesn't really describe her relationship with Zechariah, but you can imagine it. Let's take the bite of imagination. You can imagine a couple being married being advanced in years, not having children, uh, they are both uh, they are described as both being righteous before God and walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now, I am blessed with a husband who walks alongside me as he leads our family. We're a team, we are best friends. <clears throat> We've gone through many highs and lows together. We've enjoyed great favor from our Lord over the twenty few of year, twenty four years, not twenty few. Well, I guess twenty few. We want more. We want way more than twenty four uh, years of our marriage. Uh, we attempt to. Uh, I, it's so it's so hard to say that we attempt to walk blamelessly and upright uh, in following God's commandments and statutes. But we do. We we want to read God's word and we want to live our lives in a way that is uh, reflect reflects obedience and care for the ways of God. And I, I could go on and on and on about the ways that God has blessed our family and our marriage and our businesses. Um, I could, I won't, but I could. Uh, one of the great blessings of our lives though has been our successful businesses. I call my husband a serial entrepreneur. He likes to, um, he loves business concepts and he likes to start all kinds of new businesses. And they have provided great joy and fulfillment Personally and professionally, to him and to our family, they've provided a highly favored lifestyle for our family. They've given us opportunities to provide for other families um, of the folks who work for us and the folks who work with us, um, partners and things, and as well as providing opportunities for generosity to you know just to give um, very generously. We learned a, a long time ago that we can't outgive God. That's for sure. But the last couple of years have been brutal. Uh, every day, my husband walks under a cloud uh, of this this season of life where workers do not care for our equipment. They don't care for our clients' homes. They don't care to follow instructions. They don't care to show up on time or sometimes at all. This cloud is dark and it gets bigger and bigger as jobs get delayed and pile up. And, and then my husband's integrity takes a hit with clients as he tries to manage and inspire and require things from his employees and We've had highs and lows before, don't get me wrong, but this is a really long season for us. And it has included great stress and great sorrow. And we have begged the Father for relief. We've brought our requests and our sorrows before Him, trusting Him to provide just the right people in His time, but man, I, I I really don't like his timing sometimes, <laughs> you know, and I'm not really sure how it's all going to shake out. And then I wish I could do more to help my husband and, and, and. So I can't imagine what it was like for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were righteous before God. They did all the right things. Zechariah was faithful to serve in the synagogue. In our world today, that would be equivalent of being active in their church, you know, maybe pastors even, you know, they obviously studied the word of God to be able to obey it so completely. Those early years of marriage where they were, um, who they didn't know they were going to be barren for their entire lives, but it must have been brutal. You know, our dark cloud is only a couple of years old. Their dark cloud was a lifetime in the making. They they could not get pregnant, no matter how much they begged and pleaded and trusted and doubted. And yet the picture of their lives was one of faithfulness to God, no matter what. And I don't want my current cloud of circumstance to draw me away from a lifestyle of, of obedience. I really, really respect the example for us depicted in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth of a life of faithfulness, despite a dark cloud of circumstance over over really their whole life story. And I realize that you may not be familiar with Elizabeth's story. Let's go. Let's go ahead and get to the reason why she's connected to the birth of Christ. Here's more of my list. Um, you'll you'll see that as you read it for yourself. But an angel appeared to her husband, declaring that she would bear a son in her old age. And I picture her, uh, it says that there's a multitude outside of the temple praying at the hour of incense while her husband was inside chatting it up with the angel. And I kind of picture her being in that multitude. I'm thinking, you know, all they had was each other. And so they probably did everything together. Um, scripture doesn't specifically say that, but I mean, I would be there. I mean, even with a family, Ron and I do everything together. We try to do everything we can to be together. She stayed hidden in her pregnancy. Uh, She's Mary's cousin, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she has her own beatitude or her own song of praise recorded in scripture. And before we get to Elizabeth's response to Mary, I want to stop at the idea that she kept her pregnancy hidden. Oh, and by the way, she's John the Baptist's mom. That's who she ends up giving birth to, uh, who was the forerunner of Christ. And you see more about him if you read and keep on reading in Luke or in any of the other gospels. But uh, before we get to Elizabeth's response to Mary, I want to stop at this idea that she kept her pregnancy hidden. And this is really interesting to me, and here's why. Listen to what she says in Luke chapter 1, verse 25. Uh, actually, Actually, let me start in verse 24. It says, After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So if God took away her reproach among people, because this would have been a very shameful thing, it would have implied that they had some sort of hidden sin, which is why God was keeping them from being, uh, having a child. So if God took away her reproach among people, wouldn't she want to shout it from the rooftops? I mean, I think there's something else we can learn from Elizabeth as we ponder her words and her actions. You know, Elizabeth's reproach was very public, as was her righteousness. And yet this thing that the Lord did for her, she kept very private and holy. And what a a stark contrast to our culture today. You know, we would expect Elizabeth to throw together a social media post, you know, maybe even a testimony video to share with the world. Not only did she not do the equivalent of that in her time, she did the opposite. She kept herself hidden and whole. And I took the bite of completing a word study on this uh, phrase, when he looked upon me. Okay, so... Verse 25, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So when he looked on me, that phrase in verse 25, this is the word, and I'm going to mispronounce it, a pet, a paid on, and it means to look upon, regard and take note. And that, that's what it's like when God does something big in our lives. This seemingly distant God who probably has way more to worry about than little old me. He, he sees me. And it reminds me of Hagar's story in Genesis when she reveals God's name as El Roy, the God who sees. God took note of Elizabeth's pain, her emptiness, her deepest desire, and her public reproach. And God is the one who gave her a child. She didn't need a platform to give him the glory that he was due. And I think I can learn from that. I think I can learn from just the being holy and hidden and whole. And how did God respond to her private worship? Well, with a personal visit from the mother of the Savior of the world. (laughs) You know, after Mary had her own encounter with the angel Gabriel and the Holy Spirit, she went to see Elizabeth. And let's start reading in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, of what was spoken to her from the lord and we can only imagine what the time between these two women was like oh the stories because mary stayed there for a while but this is the first encounter this is the first moment and, and what do you notice elizabeth doesn't say i'm so glad you're here i'm pregnant i can't wait to tell you all about it no she she doesn't focus on herself but on mary and jesus Her first words were a blessing on Mary and on Jesus. Again, I can learn so much from this. Uh, Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth, in her Advent devotional entitled The First Songs of Christmas, she says this, When you begin to desire more from your life than merely personal blessings— God will open doors of ministry to others who are going through similar circumstances and situations. That's exactly what happened with Elizabeth. She focused not on herself, but on Mary and with the inside of the Holy Spirit, not herself, but on Christ. I love that. Now, so we've only scratched the surface of what we can observe and ponder based on Elizabeth's story in Scripture. And our song, oh, our song says even more than that. Things like woman after woman who will follow, will carry beauty and a longing of their own. But when I hear the rhythm of your name, oh, I remember once again that none of us will ache without a living hope. Oh, what a beautiful lyric to remind us of the things that we can learn from Elizabeth's life and the details that God chose to include in Holy Scripture. So good. All right. So what's next? Well, read and listen to Luke chapters 1 and 2 on repeat. Let the details of the account seep into your soul, repainting the pictures you may have framed and set on the mantle of your mind based on Christmas tradition rather than the specifics of Scripture itself. And then focus in on Elizabeth and meditate on what you can learn from her life and responses recorded for us. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michelleknizat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michelleknizat. Facebook is michelle Niza. That's my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. Head over to newreleasetoday.com to take advantage of all things Christian music, from lyrics to reviews and more. Now, if you haven't joined the 30 Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michelleknizat.com forward slash 30 day challenge and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Donald from Kentucky and Frank from Washington. Welcome. Now, new subscribers, here's what you're going to get if you subscribe. You will benefit from a one page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. This is a great place to start. You will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And you will get a, in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You can you will also get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes. All of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, This not only encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Now, I have a new tool to help you leave a review. Just go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at com, through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using another Christmas song, Christmas Lights by Love and the Outcome, to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michelleknizat.com forward slash 406. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation.